The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of the Pokemon Snapshot. How are you doing tonight, Josh? I am freezing cold, Jeff. I'm, well, until just a second ago, I was wearing a jacket and I'm wearing sweatpants because I'm in my basement, and despite it being 97 degrees in Alabama today, I'm freezing because my basement is underground. Hey, just be happy you have air conditioning right now. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy I have air conditioning because two weeks ago I did not, and it was miserable. And also, folks at home, if you hear like a, a sound on my end, that's because that's my giant new air conditioner blowing as loud as it possibly can to make it freezing cold in my basement. <laughs> yes, the unit is outside. Yes, I'm facing, the microphone is facing away from it. Doesn't matter. You're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry, folks. So so what have you been up to? We're recording on a Friday night because you could not record this weekend as usual. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm awful. Uh, I'm going to Atlanta this weekend. So one of my buddies, uh, he's actually uh, uh, teaches at the same school I do. His classroom's right next to me. He was in, when he was in college, he was in Drum Corps International. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's basically like all the best uh, like members from college marching bands from like all the colleges in uh, the country. It's basically like the all-stars of college marching bands. Um, he marched with Southwind when he was in college. And he's been trying to get me to go to like these drum corps uh, uh, competitions that they do. And so we're going to one in Atlanta tomorrow, and I'm excited because they're awesome. They put on, like, they play, like, actual songs, uh, just, like, different arrangements for the marching bands, and they do, like, full performances, and they have, like, themes to their performances and stuff like that. So I'm super excited. It's uh, it's going to be pretty, like, outside of what I'm used to with, like, musical performances, so I'm excited about that. And then Sunday night, we're going to a concert. Fun. It'll be like the movie Drumline. Yep, except it's a full marching band. It's not just the drumline itself. Okay. So it'd be pretty cool. I like marching band competitions. I did marching band in high school. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be really cool. Um, and I also saw Oppenheimer on Monday. Um, I didn't think it was quite as amazing as everybody else seems to, and here here is my issue. All of the stuff, and if you don't want to hear the spoilers, just skip ahead like a minute and a half. Uh, but all, like, all of the stuff in, like, the first half of the movie leading up to, like, the actual testing and the bomb being dropped is not nearly as interesting as everything else in the movie. Like, the actual bomb-related stuff is just, was just not that interesting to me. Surprisingly, because I thought that was going to be the coolest stuff. So, like, the first half of it, I was, like, I was engaged, I wasn't bored. It just wasn't nearly as interesting as everything that happens after the bomb is dropped, um, which kind of surprised me. But the parts th about the movie that were good were, like, absolutely brilliant, I thought. That's good. So what you're saying is you should have gone and seen Barbie. <laughs> I heard mixed reviews about Barbie, too. I don't know. 
They both are getting good reviews on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah, so. I still want to see Barbie. I probably won't go see it in theaters, but I'll definitely run it. Yeah, I, we will probably in this household be watching Barbie when it comes out. I must say we will probably not be watching Oppenheimer when it comes out. No, not unless you have three hours to, to kill. But I can't wait. Next week I'll finally be able to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. So. Oh, nice. I'm what day is that that it comes out? I think April, uh, April August 3rd. Yeah, yeah, that movie's good. So I'm excited to see that. I still need to watch Ant-Man. I actually still even have two episodes of Secret Invasion to finish. Yeah, we finished it a couple days ago. I haven't watched Quantumania either. I, I hear people were pretty disappointed with the ending, the finale of Secret Invasion. Yeah, it kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of tore me off of it. Then I thought, I've told you this, we're getting a new TV, and so it's going to be bigger, hopefully. Yep. And so I've been like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll just wait for finish this series on the bigger TV. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a plan. Uh, but besides that, I'm I'm still playing Yakuza Kiwami, the first one. It's fun. It's silly. Um, like it's very. It's one of these games. It's as very if for people who don't play video games, very hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just wanted some weird things that happen. So there's this side quest in this game where you're you're doing slot car racing. I think I told you about that. Mm-hmm. What I forgot to tell you is, so it's Kiryu, your main guy, the guy who goes to jail. He's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Is talking about how he remembers playing stock car racing with all, and you know it shows. Um, Kiru having a flashback to playing the stock car racing. It's just mm-hmm. this old man playing with all these kids. <laughs> but now it's been 17 years since he's played, so all the kids are like young adults. Right. And he's like getting the game back together. But <laughs> Kiru is still just the serious old Yakuza. That's pretty funny. It's just, just silly things like that that this... Mm-hmm. And then... But then, as I said, the story is very serious. You're trying to find your missing girlfriend and mm-hmm. uh, fighting in the Coliseum. It's it's bonkers. I kind of like that it's like parts of it are super serious and other parts of it are just it's off the wall. Nuts. Yeah. Even, even some of the sub-stories are super serious. Mm-hmm. And then you find one where uh, there's this side quest game called Mezukin, which is like a card mm-hmm. battling game. It's literally rock, paper, scissors. But you have to collect these cards and battle these people, so you're spending all this time just battling these children in the card game. Mm-hmm. But, like, you have to collect the characters, kind of like Pokemon. Right. You collect the characters. But the difference between these characters are they are scantily clad women dressed as bugs. <laughs> And these, like, eight- and nine-year-olds are playing it. Mm. Sounds about right. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I start back to school on Wednesday. Ew. I know. Makes me want to throw up. I I work, as usual. <laughs> it's like being an adult kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Most of the time. I don't know what younger me was thinking. I know. It's like you you got the money to do stuff that you want. You just have no energy to do it, no time. 
It's like, imagine if you had all this money to buy all the video games that you used to want and all the time to play them. That'd be amazing. I know. Well, I, I always live by the mantra, I don't have to call it a backlog if I just call it a collection. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's the workaround. All right, so let's get on to some Pokemon news. Uh, we have a couple bits of news here. The first one is that Pokemon cards are going to be available again at McDonald's. They do this every year. Uh, and they don't have an exact date, but it's possibly going to be at the end of August or the beginning of September. I never knew they even had Pokemon cards at McDonald's to begin with. I'm sure we talked about this last year where people were just going and all these adults were buying up all the Pokemon cards from McDonald's. Oh. I don't remember it, but it that makes total sense. But please don't be those adults. I, it's okay to go and get some. I've even gone to McDonald's to get toys, especially when they were like doing Mario toys. Mm-hmm. Just don't be that person that buys them all. Yep. It's like when Rick and Morty did that uh, Szechuan sauce stuff, and people went, and it was like a limited release thing, and people were like, like grown adults were like jumping up on tables and stomping up up and down because they didn't get it. Yes, leave some, leave some for the children. Yeah. And then my last bit of Pokemon news was a weird one. I always like when I type in Pokemon news into Google, just see what comes up. And this came up. Mm. A vending machine selling bootleg Pokemon games for $10 was found in California. J- How? Like, <laughs> I don't there's so many questions I have, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, it's just, you go to this vending machine, it's like one of the snack machines, and it has Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Gold, Silver, all the way up to Emerald, I think it said. And, like, they were the, were it, was it basically emulators on a cartridge? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's actually a very common thing with Pokemon games, because uh, secondhand Pokemon games can be very expensive, mm-hmm. and so people... Uh, Scam, uh, scam them with bootlegs all the time. So they, mm, you know, if sense. you're gonna buy a secondhand Pokemon game, there's people who know how to like make sure you have the correct one. Um, uh-huh. hmm. I didn't know it was all that serious. Yeah, because people try. Though I will say, ten dollars isn't bad because I've definitely seen bootlegs of other games sell for more. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to our question of the week, which this last week we asked, what is your experience with rock climbing? We have some answers. Uh, Kate said, in one of my million lives, I was briefly a rock climbing instructor. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) I never did anything super difficult, and I taught middle school age kids, but I did teach for one summer. I loved how it felt when I finished a climb, but I'm terrified of heights, so I was miserable the whole way up. These days, I just go hiking. What have you not done, Kate? Yeah, I mean, that would be a much shorter list. <laughs> I know. Uh, Manhunter said, I've only done indoor rock wall climbing, but I'm 6'3", so I can just reach up and pull myself up pretty easily. Um, I also have a healthy respect for height, so I don't even kind of do real rock climbing. Mm-hmm. I, I always find it funny when a really tall person is afraid of heights. Do they just, like, look down to, like... Notice that their shoes untied and like, oh no! <laughs> I was gonna say they stand up and go, oh no, what am I doing up here? <laughs> See, I'm not. I'm like five nine, five ten, but I love heights. 
Like, I would go skydiving, like, right now. I'm 5'11", and I hate heights. Mm. I I always joke, I love roller coasters. I can ride roller coasters all day, but I hate Ferris wheels. Mm. See, I've been bungee jumping uh, probably, like, four or five times and done, like, the sky coaster and all that stuff. You know what that is? Like, the giant swings. Oh, I hate those. Oh, those are so fun. But, yeah, I don't know. I love heights. They're fun. Uh, and then Manhunter did give us some more comments, so I just wanted to put them here. He said, the Dini comment is from Tommy Boy. Thank you. That's absolutely correct. Yes, he answered in our Discord. He said, Chris Farley is outstanding, but what about Bob is probably in my top five favorite movies of all time. Tommy Boy is definitely in the top 20. Tommy Boy is fantastic. All those, like, 90s, Adam Sandler uh, and uh, Chris Farley... Uh, David Spade movies, like, I'm pretty sure I can quote the entire thing. I love me some Adam, some late 90s, early 2000s Adam Sandler. Mm. It's like the, it's like the mid to late 90s for me. It's like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy. I can quote all three of those movies front to back. Easy. See, my favorite Adams, I loved uh, The Longest Yard, even though that was a remake, I know. Mm-hmm. Th- that that's a good one. Click is a good one. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which we were talking about that at work the other day, and we determined that ooh that would not fly in today's. <laughs> that that is one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, probably would not get made today. <laughs> I saw on Hulu the Ringer came on was just the, put on, the Johnny Knoxville one. Yes, was just put yeah. on Hulu, and I'm like, did we really? Th- does this? For those of you who don't know, The Ringer is about a guy who decides to scam the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. And he enters. And I think he had, like, a good reason to do it, if I remember yeah. correctly. And he becomes friends with all of them, and they actually got people with disabilities to play the, 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 like, all his friends and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, there's just so bad jokes. Uh, he uses the name Jeffy Dahmer. Ugh. Because uh, don't they call him Jeffy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, but speaking of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and this may be a controversial take, it may not, I have no idea, but isn't Kevin James really just great value Chris Farley? I haven't seen a lot of Chris Farley, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Now, the King of Queens was great, but the King of Queens was great because of Jerry Stiller and Leah Remini. Not not necessarily because of Kevin James. I don't know. I, I don't know. Back in those days, it was all Adam Sandler and his friends making the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Manhunter also goes on to say there is a podcast called Codex History of Video Games. It's a fantastic podcast. I guess we're giving this some free publicity right now. Mm-hmm. And the first batch of episodes are based off of another book called The Ultimate History of Video Games. They go in depth on the console wars in the 80s and 90s. I would recommend it. Uh, did you ben- did you binge all the episodes? So I listened to one, and actually I didn't even listen to history one. They were tearing Legend of Zelda. I did add them to my list of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, they are on a summer break right now, and the episodes they were re-airing were from the console wars of the 16-bit mm-hmm. era, which is funny because yeah. I talked about that's the book. Uh, yeah. But speaking of the ultimate history of video games, somewhere in this room, I own both those books. Nice. Um, I... Uh, the Ultimate History of Video Games was actually probably the first book I bought that had to do with video games. Because back then, you know, now we have tons of books on video games. Mm-hmm. 
back then there wasn't a lot. Right. And I was doing a speech for college about the history of video games, and I found this book. I think it was published in 2003. By then it was 2007, so it was even then four years outdated. Yeah. And just, I want to say two years ago. So, so yeah, so it goes from the beginning all the way up to uh, 2001, I believe. I believe it ends with, it. if I remember correctly, it ends with the death of Dreamcast and Xbox becoming a thing. Mm. Um, and so then just a couple years ago, he did the second book in the series, mm-hmm. uh, which starts with, you know, Dreamcast dying birth of xbox playstation 2 up until like 2015 yeah nice so they're good books uh i actually ended up not reading the second one and ended up listening to it as an audiobook because i don't have time to read nice that's how i feel and so they're both really good books i would really recommend them uh a lot of cool information and a lot of quotes from people in the industry nice uh, but yeah, I just thought, so I'm going to listen to them, see what I like. Um, problem is I don't have a lot of time to, l- when I get a new podcast that sounds interesting, I have to reevaluate, like, is there a podcast I don't care for as much? And then kind of <laughs> switch them out. Yeah. It's like, you can only have six Pokemon in your party. It is. Yes. I have, <laughs> I have the problem because otherwise, because then when I don't have a podcast to listen to, I'm listening to an audiobook, and if I'm not listening to my audiobooks, then I'm paying for audible for nothing. Yeah. And what's can- stupid about Audible is when you cancel it, if you haven't used all your credits, mm-hmm. it says they'll just go away. You have to use yeah. your credits before you can. I'm like, but I don't know what book I want to listen to next. Yep. I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood for, which is, I yep. think, is how they get you to pay for it. Oh, 100%. If if I find a book that I know I'm going to want to listen to at some point, but I don't, like, I'm not going to listen to it immediately, I still go ahead and get it, especially if I have, like, three or four credits. Yeah, and once per year, Audible will let you put your subscription on a three-month hiatus. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, all right. Going on with Manhunter, still, he also said, I like Karakara oranges. They're reddish and very tasty. That is also my wife's favorite orange. Uh, she says they taste like cherries. I don't eat, I don't, I don't like oranges. You don't like oranges? I don't like like orange juice either. I mean, I I will eat an orange, but I'm just not, I'm not like, oh man, let me go grab an orange. I guess the thing with oranges are they're very, like, you know, you get a banana or an apple, you know what you're gonna get. Oranges Mm -hmm. can be very different. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes they're very juicy and tasty. Other times, like, um, my coworker actually had a clementine, and she goes, this does not, she gave me a piece, she's like, does this taste weird to you? It wasn't that it tastes weird, it was just so bland, it had no taste. Like, if I mm. took, if I wouldn't have been eating lunch and knew I was tasting everything else, I would have immediately went and took a COVID test. <laughs> That's how bland it tasted. Yeah. I just like a good old nanner. A banana, for those of you not from Alabama. <laughs> I, I do like bananas. Uh, I do not like banana flavoring. I don't like banana flavoring either. I love grapes. I hate grape-flavored stuff. I like grapes, and I like grape-flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, and then going on, Manhunter... Oh, oh. Manhunter Man also got my second movie quote. Yes. He- Some of you may die, 
But that is a chance that I'm willing to take. And I was right. That's why I have heard it, because he did tell us that the second movie reference is Lord Farquaad from Shrek. Yep. Way to go, Manhunter. Uh, and then our last comment, Andrew from Spotify said, When I was little, I went to Texas and my brother had a rock climbing place and it was so fun, I fell a few times too. Glad you're still with us, Andrew from Spotify. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our next segment, education. Education! She had a couple bits of information for us. She said navel oranges are named after the belly button navels. They have a spot on them that looks like a belly button. See, I wasn't totally off base when I was saying that last week. You know what I also learned? What? Belly button is two words. I thought it was one word. I thought it was two. Oh, well, I guess. Maybe I just don't know. Uh, and then Kate also goes on to say the Southern Cross is a constellation only visible from around the equator to the Southern Hemisphere. Hemisphere. It's a good song, too. She did say that, too, in a good song. All right, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot or send us an, e an email at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also, leave us a rating on your listening app if you're choosing so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. And don't forget to join our Discord channel. We have lots of good conversations in there. All right, so let's go to our next segment. <coughs> Previously on Pokemon. Alright, so last week, Team Ash finally arrive on Naval Island where this dude Danny shows up and immediately starts hitting on Misty. Everyone is creeped out about it, except for not Brock, who gets him. He, he explains that in order to challenge the gym leader, Ash must climb the Rocky Mountain without the use of his Pokemon. Ash, Ash succeeds, and when he arrives at the top, Danny announces that he is the gym leader and Ash must win two of the three contests in order to earn the Sea Ruby Badge. The first contest has Pokemon freezing a geyser, and Danny's Nidoqueen decimates Ash's Lapras and wins the round. Then they must sculpt the ice into a sled. Ash moronically chooses Charizard, who gets fed up with Ash's incompetence, flamethrowers him, and hits the ice, which immediately turns into a sled, giving Ash the win. The last contest is a downhill race on their makeshift sleds they made in the last round. They each get to choose three Pokemon to help with the race. The race starts and Danny takes an early lead. He lands in a hole dug out by Team Rocket, but Ash decides to stop and help them and they easily get rid of them. They restart the race and Ash takes a shortcut through the forest and passes Danny and finishes the race to win the Sea Ruby Badge. Very good recap, Jeff. Thank you. I give it a, I give it a B minus. Okay, well... Pass, uh, pass. I, I've been... I think it's more fun if I try to do what I can from memory rather than mm -hmm. looking up what happened. Yeah, for sure. It usually ends up funnier, too. Yeah. I also admire your commitment for still calling Tracy not Brock. Oh, it's, it's going to be a thing until he leaves. <laughs> He's not Brock. All right, let's get into this week's episode, which was titled Snack Attack. Or, as it was known in Japanese, Gluttonous Snorlax. Huge panic. Oh, so much better. Snow, so much better. I just like how they're like, gluttonous Snorlax. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. No, they're not. This is a pretty gluttonous Snorlax. Yeah. Kevin Spacey definitely would have would have killed him if this were... That movie 7. This episode aired on April 29th, 1999 in Japan and on March 25th, 2000 in the United States. All right, Josh, let's get into the episode. 
Team Ash once again find themselves riding atop Lapras as the narrator reminds us that Ash is a Pokemon trainer trying to earn badges despite taking like 20 episodes and a thousand detours just to earn each one. They find themselves coming up on the Grapefruit Islands. Uh, just before the title card rolls, we see that they're being followed by Jigglypuff and I'm already prepared to hate this episode. Uh, this is the second time we've seen Jigglypuff just floating around in the ocean, so how has it not been eaten by a Gyarados or something at this point? I guess it's just very lucky. I guess. Uh, in the Japanese version, so we know they're known as the Grapefruit Islands. The islands are actually known as the Seven Zabon Islands, which translates mm -hmm. to Pamela, Pamelo Islands. Mm -hmm. And Pamelo are citrus fruit that are native to Southeast Asia and, according to Wikipedia, taste like a sweet grapefruit. Wait a minute. Remember how before we started uh, recording, I was talking about the, the LaCroix flavors? And I said the Pamplemousse. I was like, I don't know what a Pamplemousse is. It's, that's what it is. Pomelo? Yeah, it's oh. like grapefruit. Yeah. Okay. And so, it's delicious. Well, maybe just you like, like Pomelo. Ju just, just like all LaCroix. Please be a sponsor, LaCroix. I, I don't like LaCroix. Well, no one cares about your opinion, Jeff. I'm the one trying to, I'm, I'm the one trying to get us paid. <laughs> I will say, also, I do not like grapefruit, so I probably wouldn't like pomelo either. Fair enough. Uh, Team Ash takes, like, five steps onto Grapefruit Island before committing a Class 3 felony when they take one of the grapefruits for, for, uh, from which the island gets its name. I will say, when I was in Japan, we stole a kumquat off a tree. I wonder if the statute of limitations on that has passed, Jeff. It was 2009. Uh, we passed this tree every day on the way to work, and one day I mentioned I never tried a kumquat, so one of my coworkers grabbed it off the tree and we all tried them. I remember liking them, but I haven't had one since. I don't know if I've ever had a kumquat before or not. I feel like I have. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a mixture of a peach and an orange. Hmm. Uh, also, you said how, you know, they stole the grapefruit, which is like a class three felony. This, this, I don't know why I thought of this, but I thought about this made me think of season two of Survivor back in like the year 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, Colby Donaldson, who was on the show, he won a reward to go to the Great Barrier Reef because season two was in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, and he thought he was being nice. So, you know, he won this award and he took some of the Great Barrier Reef for the other castaways to give them Ooh. as... Yeah, not realizing that, um, yeah, that's a felony. Super illegal. Yeah, the Australian government was not happy, and Survivor, like, had to pay a fine for it. So, I'm... So, I don't know how the Australian government works. I'm gonna assume it probably works very similar to every other government in the world, including the American government. Uh, and I'm pretty sure all of the world governments are, like, the worst offenders at destroying the Great Barrier Reef, correct? Because of just them letting companies dump whatever into the ocean, which, which, actually, I kind of go into this a little bit later. I wasn't expecting to, but we're going to go into this, because I'll go into more detail later. But basically, okay. I'm pretty sure the, the Australian government doesn't care at all. Just If they're anything like the American government, they don't actually care at all about the environment. They just wanted their money and they knew Survivor yeah. had it. Yeah. Because, crazy enough, it may not be po as popular now, but back in season one and season two, it was like the most popular thing on TV. Yeah. And I may be totally off base, and the Australian government might love the Great Barrier Reef, uh, but if they're anything like the American government, they don't actually care. 
just like no government in the world actually cares. Um, back into the episode. Uh, a woman runs out with a stick and threatens them for stealing the grapefruits that she, uh, and she's so happy she finally caught them red-handed. <laughs> I really like the dialogue here. So Misty goes, because she runs out, she's going, thieves, thieves. And Misty goes, did she say thieves? And then not Brock says, that's terrible. Then Ash opens his mouth and says, I sure hope she catches them. <laughs> uh, they tell her, um, or they swear to her that they're not the grapefruit thieves, which is exactly what a grapefruit thief would say. Uh, but somehow that satisfies her. Yeah, and in the Japanese version, they say they are sorry and just got carried away because they have never seen this type of fruit before. I wish my parents were as gullible as, as that when I was a kid. Uh, but <laughs> they just made me go get a switch. Do you know what a switch is? Yeah, a oh. stick. Yeah, okay. Like off of a tree. That was really more like what my grandparents would do. Not not so much my parents, but my grandparents would do that. Uh, <laughs> so it reminds me of like all the like when I would get in trouble when I was a kid. Did you get spankings? Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did I. I. I don't necessarily. I don't know. I don't have kids, so I don't really have to like see how this plays out. I'm not. I don't really fall one way or the other on you should spank your kids or you shouldn't spank your kids or whatever. Uh, but I got spanked when I got in trouble when I was little. <laughs> but it always makes me laugh really, really hard thinking about <laughs> when I knew a spanking was coming. All of the like measures I would take to like <laughs> mitigate the pain, <laughs> like uh, taking a whole bunch of like my t-shirts and like stuffing them into the back of my <laughs> my shorts, so it would soften the blow. Um, I would like cut, like run and get up under the covers of my bed and just like like tr- basically trap myself under the covers so they couldn't get to it. But the t- <laughs> but when uh, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. They realized I had stuffed my shorts with, with like, uh, uh, shirts to, like, cushion the blow. Then they just started spanking my, my legs. <laughs> I turned out fine. I have a great relationship with my parents. It's fine. Uh, my, my mom actually had a wooden spoon. Oh. But here, here's the thing. So, my, my aunt was notorious for using the wooden spoon on my cousins. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, a wooden cooking spoon. So, she could, but my mom had, like, this paddle thing she thought she'd try. Mm-hmm. But the thing was so big that her trying to swing it to spank us, like it would take so much force. It didn't hurt by the time it got to us. Yeah. You would just <laughs> pretend it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Who got in more trouble, you or your brother? I I don't remember. I, I'm going to assume my brother. I, I was an mm-hmm. angel, Josh. You're still an angel, Jeffrey. You're my angel. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, The woman named Ruby... Uh, aren't there ruby grapefruits? Yes, that's where she uh, gets her name. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought that was right. Uh, ruby brags about how big her grapefruits are. That's not a euphemism. Uh, but is cut off when some dude runs up to tell her that the real thieves have struck again. Yeah, and when she's telling them about this, she has a long-winded story on why her grapefruit are so great. Not a is euphemism. It... <laughs> no, not a euphemism. Is it grapefruit or grapefruits? I don't think there's an S on the end. I think it's grapefruits. Well, well, that sounds weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, Jeff, I'm not an English major or anything. <laughs> don't ask me these questions. Uh, well, she tells them the story. She says that every winter they wrap the grapefruit tree with straw to protect them from the cold. Mm-hmm. Aren't they on a tropical island? 
Yeah, does it get cold there? I guess I wouldn't think so, but according to her, they do. Kate, what do you know about the wet, the winter weather on tropical islands? I mean, I know, and this isn't an island, I know in Florida, like, they can rarely get down to, like, 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also says that they use Butterfree to help pollinate all the trees so they, that they can produce fruit. So I always like that they're using other Pokemon. It was also kind of cool because the Butterfree she showed in her flashback were, like, the Butterfree we saw clear back on Valencia Island, where it's like, they have different markings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I do always like those kind of, uh... I guess I guess it's like a continuity thing. Yeah. Where like yeah. With like the different markings and stuff like that. Like they actually put the thought into that. Cause like no eight year old watching the show is gonna notice that. Well, most of the time they don't though, and that's the thing, because mm-hmm. when we did those episodes, they're like telling us how, you know, Pokemon in the Orange Islands because of the climate are so much different than Pokemon other places, but we just see the butterfree, the vile plume. Mm-hmm. Then, but usually it's just a regular, you know, we saw pink in Island, but after that we don't see anything. So it was cool to show the Butterfree with a Butterfree with a special yeah. stuff on their wings. I happen to, all right, here's where I'm going to get into my, my, my whole sh- spiel. So I happen to love the environment. Uh, I think the world needs to ad- address climate change in a radical way. Uh, but I also don't think that me taking a 30-minute shower or Jeff flushing the toilet 100 times a day is contributing to climate change in any significant way. The shower and the toilet are just where we do our best thinking. Uh, <laughs> and the hippie in me is like, it, it's just always the corporations that are to blame. Like, basically, all the problems we have in the world, just blame the corporations, and like 99% of the time, you're probably right. Um and so the reason I bring up climate change <laughs> is because when Team Ash and Ruby arrive, they don't just find a bunch of great, uh, grapefruitless trees. It's like a, f- a full deforestation operation going on here. Uh, I'm no lumberjack, uh, although I do have a beard and wear a lot of flannel. Uh, but how have they not heard or like caught the grapefruit bandits yet uh, when I'm pretty sure like deforestation of that magnitude would be super loud yeah especially since they aren't just missing the grapefruit the whole top of the trees are missing as well yeah it's like it's all gone um so i guess that whole rant makes no sense in context of what it actually is this is destroying the trees which we find out very soon because nearby uh they find the culprit which is a massive snorlax who is eating all of the grapefruit see i said grapefruit they're not grapefruits so i guess it is grapefruit uh, branch and all. Uh, so I guess what we've learned is that the key to, co- uh, combating climate change in any significant way, at least in the Pokemon world, is to slaughter all the Snorlax. You know, I think we have learned that Snorlax are menaces to society. Like, uh-huh. in the last episode about Snorlax, it fell asleep in a riverbed and blocked a town's water source. Yep. Yes, it did. I remember that. Uh, Team Ash uses their Pokemon to collect all the grapefruits. See, I say grapefruits there, so now I have no idea if it's grapefruit or grapefruits. And you know what? We don't get the little squiggles of saying that's grammatically incorrect either. On either one of them. Well, so, I guess... I So I guess it is grapefruits. Or it could be either. I don't know. I don't know. Kate! We need your help. We're stupid. <laughs> uh... Uh, Team Ash uses their Pokemon to collect all the grapefruits they can into a pile to, uh, in an attempt to save the trees, but it's still not enough. 
Tracy suggests that they weaken it in a battle and catch uh, and catch it, but all Bulbasaur manages to do before being crushed to death by Snorlax's body slam is razor leaf his grapefruits into perfectly cut wedges like it's making lunch for a kindergartner. Yeah, and Snorlax was pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say it's actually surprising to me that Ruby doesn't have any Pokemon that helps her to pick the grapefruit. Yeah, it seems like very poor planning on her yeah, part. Yeah, usually the Pokemon world is all about using Pokemon for free labor. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and just what kind of happens during this scene, Ash sends out Bulbasaur and Vine Whips grapefruit. So they're trying to collect the grapefruit. Ash sends out Bulbasaur and Vine Whips some grapefruit down. Missy sends out Staryu, and Staryu spins around and knocks all the grapefruit off. But no one is helping much because they're just catching, like, one grapefruit at a time. <laughs> Uh, of course, not Brock doesn't help much during this entire scene. Of course not. He doesn't, he, he catches a few grapefruit, but he doesn't send out, like, I, I feel like Venonat could have helped. Yeah. He's just sitting there drawing pictures of Ruby in yes. various states of undress. <laughs> um, and then Snorlax sees the pile of grapefruit and runs and pushes Ash out of the way. Like, Ash goes flying. <laughs> It's a shame he didn't slam into one of those trees and bust his head open. Yeah, and as you said, Bulbasaur cuts up one of his grapefruit, and Misty says he sure would be handy to have around the kitchen. Uh, Snorlax ends up eating uh, all of the grapefruits on the whole island, but since this is a chain of islands, uh, Team Ash assures Ruby that everything is fine, um, since the uh, grapefruit on all the other islands will be fine, because Snorlax, despite being the size of an obese whale can't actually swim and guess what as always team ash is wrong because plot twist snorlax begins swimming towards the other island um and actually i think if you look back to the game snorlax is one of the rare non-water pokemon that can learn surf Mm. um and i guess they never thought about how snorlax got from island to island in the first Mm -hmm. place at least Snorlax does its stretches before swimming. It shows it stretching before it jumps in the water. And while swimming, Ash says that Snorlax is doing the blubber fly. <laughs> if that had been me, I would have jumped in, cramped up, and sank to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and you would have never seen me again. No more grape... F- What's the plural of grapefruit? Is it grape... Grapefruits? <laughs> Grapefruits? Okay, that joke didn't land. We're just going to move on. Uh, Meanwhile, Team Rocket is on another island collecting grapefruit that they plan to eat, but ultimately decide uh, to sell in order to make money. It's funny how they go from basic nutrition to capitalism over the course of like a uh, 15-second conversation. Uh, As they carry armfuls of grapefruit uh, to their Magikarp sub, Snorlax shows up, terrifying them into dropping the grapefruit, uh, which the Snorlax then begins to eat. Uh, I'm going to say there were a few good lines here. While picking Meow says that they can finally get some vitamin C and they can sure use some these days. I don't know what he means by that. I guess they're having issues with scurvy in their submarine. (laughs) Gotta be. Uh, James says that luckily they found an excellent sort of free nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jesse points at a grapefruit and says thin skin, which is a weird thing to say to a grapefruit. Mm -hmm. But the best part is James responds just like you have, Jess. <laughs> uh, Meowth then tries to eat one and says the skin is too tight, which I think goes back from what they were saying about yeah. having thin skin, and yeah. he breaks a nail on the grapefruit. Contradictory. Ja- yeah, James yeah. then says that maybe the grapefruit isn't meant to eat, and then he reminisces about how the servants used to give him candy grapefruit peels. 
if you don't remember James when he he grew up in like a super rich house like his 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 pet Growlithe had like a 12,000 square foot mansion to itself yeah. um Team Ash shows up too and Meowth says that they can swipe both Pikachu and Snorlax at the same time and then it cuts to commercial break so we are going to go into our who's that Pokemon segment who's that Pokemon all right, our who's that Pokemon for this week? So we've, uh, as we've mentioned before, there was an episode all about Snorlax. We've done Snorlax already. So we're going to look. She does show up later, but we've seen her in quite a few episodes because she is one of Misty's Pokemon. We are going to look at Goldeen, who in Japanese is known as Tosa Kinto. Mm-hmm. Some basic information on Goldeen. It's number 118 in the Pokedex. It is a water type. It is two feet tall. And weighs 33.1 pounds, and it is known as the Goldfish Pokemon, and it evolves into Seeking at level 33. Some origin on Golding. Golding may be a combination, its name, Golding may be a combination of Goldfish and Queen. Uh, its Japanese name, Tosakinto, is derived from Tosaken, a kind of goldfish. Alright, so if this version is female, because it's it's presented as female, but then when it evolves, it turns into male. Seeking, very very progressive of Pokemon. Very progressive. Like twenty twenty five years Though ago. Though Goldines have a fifty fifty shot of being male or female, and so does Seeking. Uh, ah, okay. Well, the names just throw kind of throw me off. The Goldfish Queen. Yeah. And the King of the Sea, the Sea King. Uh, but also remember, those are English localizations. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so what is Golding based off of? Golding seems to be based on the Tosakin, curly fantail breed of goldfish. Due to its flat tail and red and white scales, it might also be inspired by the Kohaku variety of koi fish. Its billowing tail and prominent lips and eyelids give it a feminine appearance reminiscent of a queen wearing a dress and makeup. Its horns may be a reference to Matsya a giant horned fish that is one of the avatars assumed by the Hindu deity Vishnu. Golding's biology. Golding is a white Piscine Pokemon with orange markings. It has circular blue eyes with orange lids and prominent pink lips. On its forehead is a large horn, which is larger on a male than on a female. It has... (laughs) Get your mind out of the gutter, Josh. I didn't write it. It has a small wavy dorsal fin surrounded by an orange patch and long pectoral fins with orange markings at the bases. Golding's billowing tail fin is orange around the base and turns white towards the edges. Its tail is admired by many for its beauty and similarity to a ballroom dress. Golding has a wild temperament and will use its horn to smash its way to freedom. If kept in an aquarium, it competes with others of its kind to determine which has the strongest, thickest horn. <laughs> Humans swimming near it must exercise caution, lest Golding rams them. Golding is a very common sight in any body of fresh water, including ponds, lakes, and rivers. It can be seen swimming upstream in large schools during the breeding season and spring. Its strong fins allow it to maintain a steady speed of five knots while swimming upstream. It is known as the Water Dancer due to its elegant movements in the water, and Generation 1 Waterfall was its signature move. 
All right, some Pokedex entries on Golding. Red and Blue says, It's Tailfin billows like an elegant ballroom dress, giving it the nickname of the Water Queen. Pokemon Yellow says, When it is time for them to lay eggs, they can be seen swimming up rivers and falls in, lar in large groups. Pokemon Stadium says, It's beautiful Tailfin billows and flutters like an elegant dress, swims at a speed of five knots. Which, I looked this up, and 5 knots is only 5.8 miles per hour. Oh, I was thinking 5 knots was gonna be like... I thought this thing was out there doing like 60. <laughs> no, no, it's just kind of meandering. Yeah. I can run faster than 5.8 miles an hour. But can you swim faster? Probably, actually. I don't know, maybe not. I mean, definitely way slower than a Golduck, which we learned not too long ago was the fastest swimming Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could I could not compete with a Golduck, but I bet I could I could give a Goldine a run for its a swim for its money. <laughs> Pokemon Gold says its dorsal, pectoral, and tail fins wave elegantly in water. That is why it is known as the water dancer. A Pokemon Silver says, a strong swimmer. It is capable of swimming nonstop up fast streams of, at a steady speed of 5 knots. A Pokemon Crystal says, during spawning season, they swim gracefully in the water searching for their perfect mate. A Pokemon that's, how I, that's how I found you, Joe. <laughs> you were just swimming, I was swimming gracefully in the water, or were, you were? <laughs> At five knots. At five knots. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Ruby says, Goldine is a very beautiful Pokemon with fins that billow elegantly in water. However, don't let your guard down around this Pokemon. It could ram you powerfully with its horn. <laughs> Pokemon Sapphire says, Goldine loves swimming wild and free in rivers and ponds. If one of these Pokemon is placed in an aquarium, it will shatter even the thickest glass with one ram of its horn and make its escape. But won't it just, like, die if it's not in water? It's like, oh, let's make our great escape, and then, it did, and then it's dead. I mean, Missy's always let her out in not water. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, Pokemon Emerald says, In the springtime, schools of Goldeen can be seen swimming up falls and river. It, it meets out staggering damage with its single horn. Uh, Pokemon Diamond says, It swims elegantly by flittering its tail fin as if it were a dress. It has the look of a queen. Pokemon Pearl says, It swims at a steady five knots. If it senses danger, it will strike back with its sharp horn. A Pokemon Platinum says, Though it appears very elegant when swimming with fins unfurled, it can jab powerfully with its horn. Uh, Pokemon Sun says, when weather grows warm, they form groups and swim upriver. This site serves as a poetic reminder that spring has arrived. Uh, Pokemon Moon says, spellbound by the length of its horn and the beauty of its fins, many strange trainers raise Goldine and nothing but Goldine. <laughs> spellbound by the length of its horn. <laughs> I, I just like how whoever the researcher is for this is just like, man, these people who train Goldeen are weird. They're so, super strange. They're just staring at its horn all the time. Has a legion of, of Goldeen. Uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun says, Although known for their splendid tail fins, Goldeen apparently compete among themselves to see whose horn is thickest <laughs> and sharpest. These people have to know what they're saying, right? Like, they have to know. 
<laughs> and then Ultramoon says the way it swims along fluttering its dress like fins has earned it the name Princess of the Water. So that Golding has been demoted. Mm. Now a princess. No, no longer the queen. Uh, and then some trivia on Golding. Uh, in the Pokemon Red and Blue beta, Goldeen was originally known as Goldie. I will say Goldeen is a better name. Goldeen is a better name. Its its horn is much sharper and thicker and longer <laughs> than Goldie's. <laughs> All right. And that is our Who's That Pokemon segment on Goldie. Who's That Pokemon? You really should have gone through Goldeen uh, with Tyler. <laughs> He's way more mature than I am. <laughs> uh, back in the episode, uh, the island's grapefruit police uh, are at DEFCON 5 because the Snorlax is eating every grapefruit in sight. Uh, they even have like a whole war room like the president does with flashing screens and everything. Uh, you can't say they aren't dedicated to the grapefruit. Yeah, and their war room shows that Snorlax has made it to the second island and has started eating there. And what do you think this room is used for when they're not <laughs> like, like, do they, I, I can't. It's a, it's a, it's a converted, they converted the cafeteria into this. <laughs> okay. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, Team Ash tries to stop Snorlax again, uh, but now, uh, but now Squirtle gets crushed. I mean. Well, I don't even know why I'm questioning this. Ash never learns from his mistakes, so obviously he's going to send out another Pokemon to get crushed. Uh, but also, like, Squir Squirtle, bro, just, like, move. It's not like the Snorlax moves super fast. Just, like, step to the side a couple of feet. Because uh, Snorlax ain't that fast. Uh, Missy tries Staryu, which also does nothing. Uh, she then throws out Goldeen. Uh, and despite the the length of its horn, uh, it does nothing. Uh, and Snorlax tries to eat it. So Snorlax has Goldeen like <laughs> hanging above its mouth and is about to drop drop it in. But uh, Misty calls it back into the poke uh, its Pokeball at the last second. Yeah, because Snor as he said, Snorlax goes to eat Goldeen like she like he is going to have some gas station sushi. Mm hmm. Uh, Misty even tries to get Togepi to do Metronome, and Ash says it doesn't even know any attacks yet, and mm -hmm. not Brock says it's just a baby. Yep. Uh, come on, I'm sure Snorlax would like some eggs to go along with his fish. I know. Scramble them up. Um, now it's Team Rocket's turn with Jesse throwing out Arbok, who again is promptly crushed by Snorlax. Yeah, and Meowth says that Arbok looks like a snakeskin belt, and James adds that it would be big enough to fit Snorlax. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this reminds, uh, me of, oh, it reminds me of when me and my buddy, uh, Tyler, not Tyler that's on this show, obviously, uh, but one that I grew up with, uh, when we were kids, we used to, uh, mess with his older brother, Andrew, who is a couple years, um, older than us. Uh, and he could beat us up uh, both individually, uh, so we would have to team up against him, uh, and uh, we would always sit on him <laughs> so he couldn't move. Um, so I kind of like uh, how uh, both Team Ash and Team Rocket are having to team up against, uh, uh, against Snorlax, even though they're both unsuccessful. They should have just sat on him. Well, uh, we, but they're, they're not really teaming up. They're sending one Pokemon at a time. Well, they, I'm saying they should have teamed up. Oh, they should have. Okay. Yeah, they should have teamed up like we, like Tyler and I did on Andrew. Uh, 
those were good times. But and Andrew's married now. He has three kids, and he has a high level position at the University of Alabama. So there were no lasting psych. There was no lasting psychological damage, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Uh, Jesse sends out Lickitung to do the job, but Snorlax just catches its tongue and uses it uh, as a napkin to wipe its mouth. Yeah, I guess it's immune to Lickitung's poison. I I guess. Uh, Jesse even yells that it is her Lickitung, not a napkin. Mm. Uh, Team Ash and Team Rocket send out every Pokemon they have, but even Pikachu's Thunderbolt is easily shrugged off uh, as Snorlax continues to eat. Yeah, and at one point, James sends out Victory Bell and it gets flattened. Mm-hmm. And James makes a not funny joke, but during the Japanese version of this scene, he makes a joke about Victor Bell now being oppressed flower art. Mm-hmm. Uh, then this was a funny thing, funny thing, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it. Misty sends out Psyduck, and she calls him the perfect Pokemon for this. And mm-hmm. Ash goes, why is he the perfect Pokemon? And she says that he may be able to use a psychic attack, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Uh, psychic, Psyduck then sees a grapefruit on the ground, picks it up, eats it, and immediately starts choking. <laughs> I really wanted you to be the one to, to tell about this part. That's why I didn't include it. Occas- occasionally, I'll, I'll leave some of the jokes up to you, just because I want you to have your time to shine, Jake. Thank you. Uh, eventually, a Snorlax... That's my way of saying I'm just lazy and I didn't put it down. <laughs> uh, eventually, a Snorlax continues to eat, causing the Grapefruit Police to have to create an even higher DEFCON classification, uh, James dons a magician's costume and begins hypnotizing Snorlax. It almost works, but James ends up making himself fall asleep. Uh, now that the plan seems to be putting Snorlax asleep, I see where all this is going, and I hate it. Uh, Tracy suggests a massage would do the trick, and there are so many jokes that just write themselves, but I'm going to be the bigger person, and I'm not going to bother making them. Plus, there are already a whole bunch of Goldeen horn jokes uh, made this episode, so I feel like I've reached my limit on inappropriate jokes for this episode. Uh, okay, maybe one. I'm, I will make one. Uh, welcome to Tracy's Snorlax Massage Parlor, where every ending is a happy ending. <laughs> Of course, it would be not Brock who suggests a massage. I guess he's not just creepy towards women. Yeah, he's creepy towards every living thing. Uh, Okay, so I paused it as soon as Tracy suggested that, uh, uh, the massage, and I was like, this is really stupid. Why would they do that? Uh, And as soon as I unpaused it, Team Ash actually began giving Snorlax a massage, so things might get real weird real soon. (laughs) In the Japanese version, Ash and Misty pretend to be employees at a massage parlor. Oh, God. Uh, Ash says, well there, sir, you sure have a lot of tension built up. <laughs> and then Misty says, and where did you come in from today? Oh, Lord. Um, Misty almost has uh, Snorlax uh, asleep again by having it count Snorlax, but she, like James, only succeeds in putting herself to sleep. Why would she have the Snorlax count itself when humans are tired? We count sheep. When sheep are tired, I assume they count humans. So why would a Snorlax count itself? I guess they wanted to go with the joke, but there's no sheep Pokemon during the airing of this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one coming up in Generation 2. We would have at least have a Mareep, which they could count, but... Well, a little too early for that. Yep. Uh, um, indeed, things do get weirder when Jesse sh- shows up dressed as Snorlax's mom complete with an apron and painted rosy red cheeks. Uh, she rolls out a pillow and blanket uh, for Snorlax, but instead of like trying to get it up under the blanket, she gets up under the covers to try to entice it over. 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's not how your mother got you to go to sleep as a kid? She didn't ask you to come over and get under the covers with her? No, she said, <laughs> go to bed. Leave me alone. I've dealt with you all day today. I'm joking. My mom didn't actually say that. I mean, I don't remember ever sleeping with my parents back in the day. I don't know. Uh, James and Meowth begin singing lullabies, but their singing is so terrible that it just uh, causes Snorlax to kick them with the full force of its weight, and they're blasted off again. Uh, Tracy then gets the idea to have Jigglypuff sing uh, to the Snorlax to put it to sleep, which is, once they started talking about putting it to sleep, I knew this is where it was going. Did, uh, did they even know Jigglypuff was in the area? Um, remember a couple of episodes ago when they were, like, following the the canoe Nurse Joy around? They saw the, the Jigglypuff, like, in the water, and they, like, ran away. You remember that? Yeah, but... I, I guess, but it's just like... Yeah, I don't think they had seen it this... I don't think they had seen it this uh, episode, but maybe they just knew that Jigglypuff... Maybe they just know that Jigglypuff was just, like, always around. Maybe. Um, They run to find Ruby, who has just found all of the island workers as, uh, asleep with crudely drawn pee-pees and wee-wees drawn all over their faces in marker, and we all know what that means. It means that I hate this episode. <laughs> Uh, as Snorlax heads towards the third island, the where, uh, which contains the warehouse with all of their grapefruit, uh, Team Ash creates a stage for Jigglypuff and begins chanting its name uh, for it to come up on stage and sing, which it does, and everyone around begins to get tired. I guess no one prepared for this obvious outcome. Uh, Ash has Pikachu shock the Snorlax and manages to catch it before both he and Pikachu succumb to the Jigglypuff's song. Yeah, and somehow Pikachu's Thundershock works this time, even though it had no effect before. I assume that it's because, like, the Snorlax was half asleep. Maybe. Yeah. But yes, well, since Snorlax is half asleep, he does fall down and he knocks over a tree onto its head. Mm -hmm. And then Ash catches it. Uh, when Jigglypuff finds everyone has fallen asleep, it takes out all the markers it has collected on its journey and draws pee-pees and wee-wees on everyone else's faces. Uh, and actually, those are not its markers. Team Ash, actually, Misty sets out all these, and she calls them multicolored felt-tipped markers. Oh, I guess I missed those. I have a bunch of multicolored felt-tipped markers that I use at school. They're like, my favorite, they're like my favorite markers. Do I do not draw PPs and wee-wees no. on anyone's faces. Not even on the sleeping students? No, I need to keep my job, at least for the insurance for the time being. <laughs> Uh, Ruby gives Team Ash some candied grapefruit peels, uh, and one of the workers tells Ruby that there are new trees growing where Snorlax had gone, although no one understands why, and I assume we never will. Um, and, and, that's the end of, and that's the end of the episode. So, have have you ever had, like, candied orange peels or anything? Mm, I've had, like, I don't know if it's the same thing, I've had, like, dried pineapple pieces, like candied pineapple, which is delicious. Uh, you know what the new, like, fad to do now is the freeze-dry fruit. Is it? I don't know if I... Uh, yeah, I have, yeah, I've got some freeze-dried strawberries in my um, pantry. There's a person who sells them at our farmer's market, and mm -hmm. we are... I tr they had oranges once, and Jesse bought them, and they are not good. They're not? Uh, mm. It tasted very much just like the white part of the orange, which is uh, the bad part. The, yeah, it's like um, the worst part. But last week she bought some freeze-dried raspberries and they were good. 
And actually, Ooh. she bought me some freeze-dried uh, peach rings. Oh. It was really weird, because it was like the consistency of a Cheeto, but tasted like a peach ring. <laughs> uh, all right, and so what did you th- think of this episode? So, I actually kind of like this episode, mostly just for how stupid the plot was. Like, it, it was one of those, it's so, like, bad, it's good type things. Um, and since we're, uh, we're going to be giving letter grades uh, to the episodes instead of doing the numbers... Um, I give this one a B. Yeah, and the reason we're doing letter grades, we did numbers last week because when I go to put, like, a poll into Spotify, it it wouldn't let me put 10 options, put the numbers 1 through 10, so I thought, well, I'll just put A, B, C, D, and F mm-hmm. for letter grade. Uh, I really like this episode, too, and it's always fun to see a character get a new Pokemon. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, it, it just makes sense. Snorlax is one of the most popular Pokemon. Let's give one to Ash. Yeah, uh, I really how I kept going back to the workers in the war room. I think those were some of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. uh, talking about how far the Snorlax has gotten. And I'm with you. I would give this a B grade. Yeah, it's not the best episode, but definitely not the worst. It's yeah. a little. So I think a B is perfect for it. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's good. Are we going to do like B plus B minus or standard B all that? Or do we just, or we just want to do A, B, C, D? It's up to you. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll like, feel it out. It'll probably change we'll, week to week. Yeah, we're, we're, we're. This is a new thing we're doing, so we're, we'll try it. Uh, but I think I don't think I would have given this a plus or minus. I think a solid B. It's a solid B, man. Um. So our question for this week is because they went to the Grapefruit Islands, is what is your favorite citrus fruit? Uh, see, I was like, I guess I don't really eat that many citrus fruits. I guess I'm probably going to have to go with a lemon, just because I do really like lemon-flavored stuff. Like, Do y'all have nothing bunt cake up in Michigan? No, I have not uh, heard of that. Well, th- you need to move to another state then. Or go somewhere, <laughs> you need to go somewhere that does... Uh, nothing bunt cake is, I mean, they just sell bunt cakes, but they're, uh, you can't understand how delicious they are until you've had them. Like, no store-bought cake should be as delicious as these things are. I think you've talked about them on the episode before. I'm looking to see if we have any near us. Mm, Well, you need to go. Uh, but they have a lemon bunt cake that is literally to die for. Um, there is one 22 minutes away from me. There's or 22 miles, there's 123 miles, there's 129 miles. Dude, like, yeah, you need to, like, load up the family in the car tomorrow and go. There is seven within 50 miles. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, you need to go, like, tomorrow. The crazy thing is they sell different sizes, so they have, like, little, like, one-bite ones that are good, and then they have ones called buntlets, which are, like, just, like, for, like, a single person, and those are usually what I get. They're delicious, but strangely, the you would think that the big, like the actual full size cakes, wouldn't be as good because they wouldn't be able to be as moist because they're larger than the little buntlets. But they're they're like the best. I don't understand how they do it. It's black magic. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and they have a whole bunch of different flavors, so you'd be able to find one. So yeah, definitely do that. But my rational, going back to my favorite lemon being my favorite citrus fruit. Lemon's also super versatile with, like, cooking and stuff like that. 
Like, you'll get lemon and lime, too. And, like, when you cook a bunch of stuff, like, lemon brings out a lot of flavor and stuff like that. So, I guess I gotta go with lemon. Yeah, I really like lemon, too. I probably would go with lemon as well. I'm not a fan of lime. I do like lime. I, I don't like key lime pie. But I do love myself a good margarita. Mm, yeah. I do like key lime pie. But now I want a pomelo though. Like an actual pomelo. Now I just want to sit down and eat a pomelo. You'll have to go to the grocery store to see if you can find them. Yeah. Uh alright, so don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot or send us an email at the Pokemon Snapshot at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also, leave us a rating on your listening app if you're choosing, so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. And don't forget to join our Discord, answer our question of the week, and we will include your answers in in the show. You know, Josh, I would love for eventually one time that we get so many answers that I have to pick and choose which ones that we get to feature. Yes, that would be very cool. Um... So, Jeff, we're doing something very special for our next episode, which is going to be our 100th episode. Yes. Is, is that not crazy? That That is crazy. I started, we are almost at the three-year anniversary, which would be September 7th. Mm-hmm. That was September 7th, 2020 was when we first start, launched the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we may have a guest on the next podcast. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll leave that at that. But uh, tell them what we're going to be doing for our 100th yes. episode, because we're kind of going out of the continuity. Like, we're not yeah. doing the next uh, episode we're, we're, in the Orange Islands. We're not going to do the next episode. In a couple weeks, we'll be back with the Orange Islands. But for our 100th episode, since this does not fit in with any of the themes or anything, we are going to go watch the 2019 movie Detective Pikachu. Jo- and I, ha- I have never seen Detective Pikachu. Yeah. I don't know anything about it other than Ryan Reynolds plays Detective Pikachu. Yes, so Josh has never seen Detective Pikachu, and so it'll be fun to see his reactions. I saw it in theaters, saw it with my daughter and my wife, um, and we all really enjoyed it, but I haven't watched it since it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing is, Josh only knows like the first 150, maybe some of the second generation, so if they don't say a Pokemon's name, he may have trouble knowing who the Pokemon is. Oh yeah, definitely. So, so. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've purposefully been putting off watching this movie because I knew we were going to do it on the show for the 100th episode, so. Yeah, so I can't wait. It's hard to believe, and we'll get more into this when we record our next episode and we'll talk with about this but yeah so please join us next time when we will be watching detective pikachu and keep in mind it's going to take us a couple weeks to get this one done because it's like a full-length movie